If you turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 9. But first of all, I want to thank our pastors. Pastors, you know, we love you. That means we love you from the bottom of our hearts. We love your sacrifice, and I pray this year is going to be a great year for you, for all of us. I, I, it's an honor and a privilege to work with these great men and women of God. But we have to guard our leadership. We have to guard our hearts because the enemy is trying to come in. Amen? I was reading a story, and it says, Scientists have found that certain kinds of ants have a passion for the sweet substance given off by the caterpillar of a large blue butterfly. They can become so addicted to it that they even search for them and carry them to their nest. You're thinking, well, why is he starting on caterpillars? You'll see. See, they don't understand that they bring home an enemy in disguise. For this caterpillar eats exclusively ant larvae. So usually a threat to the colony would be driven away, but the adults enjoy the taste secretions of the guests so much that they are unaware of the fact that their young are being devoured in the process. And as I read about these ants and I began to see their story, I see a correlation between Joshua and Israel in Joshua chapter 9. And I want to talk about that being too friendly with the enemy. The title is Frenemy. Amen. Frenemy. See, in these verses that we're going to check out, we see that Israel is becoming too friendly with their enemies. The people of Israel had just defeated the city of Ai, and they're ready to march into Canaan and get their promise. They're fresh from a victory. They have seen a great city of Jericho fall. But before they move forward, everybody say move forward, they had to learn a lesson. And the lesson they had to learn was about being too friendly with the enemy. And if we're going to move forward in 2018, we have to also learn this lesson. Don't get too friendly with the enemy. See, in the battles that Israel was taking Canaan, we see a picture of our lives as we fight for victory in our journey. In fact, these cities teach us a spiritual lesson. Jericho is a type of the world. It was defeated, and we have the promise of victory over the world in our walk with Christ. Ai is a type of the flesh. It was defeated, and we have the promise of victory in the flesh as we battle for the Lord. Now, Gibeon, here's the lesson, is a type of the devil. This is a battle that we're still fighting today. We have been promised victory, but to get it, we have to trust the Lord and follow God's will. See, the key is following God's will and trusting God even in the trials, the tribulation. I was talking to a brother today, and we were talking about that. And I said, that's good, brother, because God is making you stronger. He's building your character. So whenever we go through something, we have to count it all joy because God is building our character. We're learning how to fight the enemy. Amen? See, we have to be careful tonight of being too friendly with the enemy or frenemy. Number one, the first thing I want to talk about, I only have three things. Two hours and a half will be done. I'm not kidding. No, I'm just kidding. 
I'm getting you ready for tomorrow night. Amen. The enemy is deceptive. In Joshua 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, And it came to pass when all the kings who were on the side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland, and in all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it. They were even uptight, amen. That they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel in one accord. When all the kings of Canaan heard what had happened to Ai and to Jericho, they joined forces to defeat Israel. Now, isn't it amazing that all these kings were enemies? They were enemies. But the devil's crowd will always join up together to fight God's people. See, even if they're enemies, they're going to join together to fight you and I. You better believe it. You better understand that. We are facing a time, in not only in this country, but around the world, where there's going to be persecution for Christians. They don't like what we stand for. They don't like Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. When they join together, we got a plan. Look how Jesus was treated by his enemies. The Pharisees and the Herodians hated one another, but they came together to condemn him. Another friendship that was formed over his death was Herod and Pontius Pilate. They hated each other. They were enemies, but they joined together to crucify Christ. See, we see the same alliances today. When you turn on the news, you see those alliances. When you talk to people, you see those alliances. They don't like what we stand for. They don't like what you stand for. And they will join together with demons to fight you every step of the way. Yeah, it's not a feel-good message. Amen. I'm sorry. But we're starting 2018. It's a new season. And it's time for us to be prepared for this season. Amen? We see people falling by the wayside from our church, different ministries. we got to stand and fight for them. But if we don't know what to expect and understand the wiles of the enemy, how are we going to make an impact within their lives? Joshua 9.4 said they worked craftily and went out and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended. See, when the Gibbonites heard that the Israelites were headed in their direction, they came up with a scheme. How many know the enemy likes to make schemes? See, they wanted to trick Israel into making a peace treaty. And there's going to be people that are going to be scheming on you. And if you're not aware of it, you might fall for the trap. They dressed in old clothes, carried old bread and wine, and pretended that they were from far away. I imagine they got outside their city and they put dirt all over themselves. They started acting wearily. Like some of you guys used to act when you tried to get a fix. Amen. Go to the connection. Oh, shit. But as soon as you get it, you're like, okay. Scheming. Don't tell me you guys didn't do dope moves. I know you. They did everything in their power to trick Israel. And that's what the devil does. He'll do everything in his power to trick you and I. He'll try to trick you and I. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 11, that we fight an enemy that uses wiles to get his way within our lives. The word wiles refers to deceit, trickery, and manipulation. And that's what the enemy uses in our lives. He tries to trick us. He wants to manipulate us. See, he would like nothing better than to trip you up 
and cause, cause you to fall in one of his traps. Just before Jesus died, he told Simon Peter that Satan desired to sift him as wheat. Satan wants to do the same with you and I. He wants us to fall. He wants us to fail. And he'll stop at nothing to bring that to pass. That's his plan for your life. 1 Timothy 3.7 tells us that Satan uses snares to catch us. See, a snare refers to a trap that's sent by a hunter in order to capture his prey. See, he uses deceptive wiles and snares just like the people of Gibeon. See, Gibeon means the thing lifted up. See, Satan wants to be lifted up in your life. He wants to be lifted up. He wants you to focus more on him than you do on God. He wants to be lifted up. See, some people are so afraid of the devil that they're not trusting God. We have to be very careful about the wiles of the enemy. He's trying to lift himself up. That's what Gibeon means. He wants to be lifted up. See, the Gibeonites had taken every step possible to deceive Israel, believing that they were from a faraway country, carrying the old sacks on the donkeys, broken and bound up wineskins, patched shoes, shabby clothing, and even moldy bread. They got it from the men's home. Amen. Their aim was to trick Israel. Their aim was to trick Israel. Remember when the devil comes to tempt or trip you up, he doesn't come with pointy tail and horns. He doesn't come like that. When the devil comes to your life, he will appear as an angel of light. In other words, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. Why do you think people fall away? Because they like it. He's not going to come at something that's not going to tempt you. He knows what, what, what gets you floats your boat, so to speak. And he's going to bring that into your life. If it's a girl, hello. Devil in a blue dress. Same with a guy. We call them baballeros in the Philippines. They come to steal the, the calling of the women. They want to steal your calling. The devil will bring drugs. If drugs is your thing, believe it. It's coming for free. Is this on? If it's pornography, you're one click away. Whatever it is, the devil's going to come as an angel of light, and you're going to like it. You're going to like it. He will make his plan appear the perfect thing for your life, and you're going to like it. The flesh is going to love it. So beware of every impulse that comes your way. Just because it's an impulse doesn't mean it's from God. It doesn't mean it's from God. Don't get too friendly with the enemy. Beware of the frenemy because he's going to come after you and you're going to like it. Check everything with the word of God. And the Lord will lead you the right way. If you still have some discussion about that, come and see your leadership. We will help lead you in the right direction because we've been there and done that. We have some years under our belt. Are we perfect? No, we're not. We're fighting the same fight. But believe me, we want to lead you in the right direction because we love you. 
That's why I'm preaching this message because our hearts and leadership hearts are breaking because people are falling away. We stay up at night praying for them. And then they blame us. You're the reason I left the church. Really? Or was it the friend of me? Because you're going to like it. That's your next rap song. You're going to like it. Come on now, sister. Beware of those impulses. Beware of those impulses. Joshua chapter 9. Let's go back there. You guys with me? Joshua 9, beginning of verse 6. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. How many know the devil wants to make a covenant with you? Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? That was a good thing to say. So they said to him again, From a very far country your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. Oh, they're bringing God into it. You know the devil will bring God into it? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's the one. Mm. She'll she'll serve God. Don't worry about it. You'll be all right. Don't worry. I'm going to get him saved. Yeah, you will. Where was I? They brought God into it. Verse 10. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites were beyond the Jordan of Shehon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who was at Ashroth. Therefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey. And go to meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now, look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins which were filled were new. And, And see, they are torn. And these are our garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. They were lying through their teeth. They were lying. The enemy is a liar. He's a liar. He's going to make make you make you think that it's the right way to go, the right way to travel, that he's doing the best thing for your life, and you're going to like it, and it's not going to be good at all. They lied. They claimed to be something they were not. And that's what the devil does. He claims to be something that he's not within your life so he can get you. Remember, he wants to be lifted up. Perfect picture of the devil. He will use slick and enticing speech to get you to yield to the plans he has for your life. And you better believe he has plans for your life. That's why we have to be very careful with our children. We have to train them up in the way they should go because if you don't, the devil's got a plan for them. The devil had a plan for many of us before Christ. And we were dumb and we listened to the plan. Amen? Remember, you're going to like it. He's going to give you a good reason to justify what you want to do. 
He's going to give you a reason to justify what your flesh wants to do. And you're going to like it. See, when you're out of God's will and in trouble, he will toss you like a piece of trash and let you rot in your sin because he's done his job. He don't care about you. He hates you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to rip apart your family. That's what he wants for your life. He doesn't want you to be in God's house. He doesn't want your children serving God. He doesn't want your family serving God. He wants to throw you out like a piece of trash. Oh, let's pull his covers. And you're going to like it. I wonder, what did the devil tell Cain to get him to kill his brother? What did he tell him? What did the devil tell David to get him to sleep with Bathsheba when he had everything at his fingertips? What did the devil tell Judas to get him to betray Jesus Christ? What did he tell him? What has the devil told you in the past? And more importantly, what is he telling you now? Because just because you come to church doesn't mean he doesn't speak to you. He's still going to talk to you. He still wants, he wants you more than ever. Because you'll be his trophy. Is this on? Is it quiet because I'm telling the truth or what? See, Satan desires to get an advantage over you. He wants an advantage. And he will use every trick in the book to get you to follow him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Be careful. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us that what the devil is up to, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know why he's devouring so many of us? Because we separate ourselves. As soon as the devil starts to lie to us, we get away from people. We, we say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to get counsel I want to hear. I don't want to get counsel from the people of God because they're going to tell me, pick up my Bible. They're going to tell me to pray and fast. They're going to bring me along back to church. We don't want to hear that advice. We want to separate from the people of God. We don't want to show up. It starts a little at a time, man. Satan, when Satan starts to lie to us, it's not a blowout in spirit. It's a slow leak. We start leaking a little bit. Oh, I'm too tired to go to church today. And a little another league. Well, it's only Sunday. I'm gonna watch the game. It's the playoffs, by the way. Next year we're gonna be playing in it. No, you ain't. Get a life. The devil's gonna lie to you. Give you all kinds of reasons why you can't come to church. It's raining. There's a lot of people not here because it rained a little bit. This ain't rain. The Philippines, it rains. This is so funny. Storm track. I'm watching storm. What storm? We've been tracking the storm for three days, and it's like 100 miles away. What? It's finally here, and there's like two drops of rain. What is that? That's not a storm, my friend. That's not even watering the lawn. Go to the Philippines where it really rains. It'll rain for three months at a time. In the first 10 minutes, we got a flood. That's rain, my friend. That's a storm. We used to pull up our, take off our shoes and socks, pull up our pants, and walk to church because we couldn't drive. It was too deep. 
We're not going to let the devil lie to us and say, oh, little rain's going to stop me from serving God. No way. Look what Jesus did on the cross, and we're afraid of a little rain? Stop it. Well, I've got to fight with my wife. Well, you need to get in church and get right. Sheesh. He wants you. He wants your family. He wants your testimony. He wants our leadership. He wants our church. You need to understand that. Beware of the frenemy. He's coming at you. See, if you have it and it's from God, he wants it. And to get it, he will do anything. That's how he operates. Number one, the enemy is deceptive. Number two, the enemy is destructive. See, the problem was they lost their ability to discern. See, when you get too close to the enemy, you lose your ability to discern. And you begin to make bad decisions. And that's what happened with them. They got too close. See, we read in verse 7, Joshua was skeptical of these so-called ambassadors. He questioned them about where they came from in verse 8. It was good that Joshua was skeptical, but he gave up too soon. See, a lot of times when the enemy comes, at first we get a feeling, this ain't of God. But we stop inquiring. We stop asking of the Lord. If he went to his tent and started to pray, he would have got revelation. No, 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 no. These guys are lying. They lost their ability to discern. See, when the Gibeonites showed them their clothes and their food and their old wineskins, Joshua fell for the okey-doke. He fell for a lie. Fried ice cream. You know, it's funny. They got fried ice cream now. I haven't tried it, but they got it. It just doesn't go, it doesn't go with my palate, I guess. I don't know. I like cold ice cream. 1 Peter 5.8 says that we should be sober and vigilant. These words carry the idea of being in control of ourselves and being watchful. You've got to be in control. See, the devil wants to take your control away. He wants to take your control. He wants you to follow every little lie he's trying to spew because that's what he does. And, and then we stop watching for him, man. We get so comfortable in our sin. Be careful that sin is so easily entangles. That's the one that we're going to like. And we like it, so when it comes, ah, it's okay. It's all right. But when, the way sin is, it just gets bigger and bigger, and pretty soon you have no control. And the devil begins to control your life. We have to be very careful. Be sober and vigilant. He's a liar and the father of lies. But we don't have to fall into his trap. See, when your spiritual vision gets dimmed through neglect, and I'm talking about neglect of the word of God, neglect of prayer, you're open to the trap of the enemy. That's why we got to continue to eat this thing. we got to stay on it. we got to read the word. If we're not reading the word and getting the Holy Ghost in us and, and we're not praying, getting the anointing and the filling of the Holy Spirit, we're going to fall for the lies. That's why tomorrow night we need to be here, man. We need to pray for some people. We got people that are falling away. We have to pray for them, stand in the gap. We for this whole year, we're setting the year up right. We gotta pray, we gotta fast, we gotta read the word. That's how you overcome. That's how you stay in control. 
because it's not you in control, it's God. Amen? See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.27 that we are not to give place, everybody say place, to the devil in our lives. This word was interesting because it refers to a beachhead. In other words, don't give him a beachhead in your life. That's a place where he can do battle. That's a place where he can, can continue to conquer parts of your life. Because if he gets one part of your life, he's not satisfied with that. He wants to take more of your life and more of your life and more of your And pretty soon you find yourself deep, dark, in sin, and you don't know what to do. Because you opened the door. You gave him a place to put up a beachhead, a place of war within your life. See, if we give the devil room in our lives to attack us, he will. Don't give him a stronghold. Don't give him a stronghold. We got to be on guard. Don't let him put that foot in the door. Because what he's selling ain't good. Joshua 9, 14 and 15. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Look at that. They didn't pray. They didn't pray. So Joshua made peace with them because he didn't pray. He lost his discernment. He didn't pray. He made he didn't ask counsel. So he made peace with them and made a covenant. You can't break a covenant. Once you make a covenant, it's for life. He made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Their ability to seek God was blocked. They couldn't seek the Lord no more. Because they got too close. They got too close. Notice that Israel ate with the Gibeonites. They didn't even pray about it. They broke bread. And in those days, to break bread with someone was considered a sign of friendship. That's why we like to have break bread together. That's why we like fellowship together, because it builds a friendship. That's why the Lord had the Last Supper, because he was preparing his people, his disciples, for the future. That's why when we die, we're going to have the marriage supper As long as we don't make friends with the enemy. Because it's a sign of friendship. He's called us friend. We're his friends. But see, they didn't do that. They thought it was right, but it became a big problem. And as a result, they stepped all the way out of God's will. They stopped out of God's will. And then they had to suffer the consequence. Make sure you're listening to the Lord's voice and not the devil or your flesh. You have to be careful. See, God wants us to seek his face. Isaiah 10.31, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalms 27.14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Sometimes waiting is the hardest part. See, there's what I like to call the waiting room of God. When you're in between decisions and God's just saying, wait, you're, you don't have an answer. But sometimes we make the wrong choice because we get antsy. We go, oh, I got to do it now. We get impulsive. See, we got to learn to stay in God's waiting room and wait upon the Lord for the answer. 
Are you with me? See, you get the idea. God expects you and I to seek his will and wait on his answer. Deuteronomy 7.2, And when the Lord, your God, delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show them mercy. They were supposed to destroy the enemy, but they didn't do it. They were disobedient to the word. How many times have you and I been disobedient to the word? We all have. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm disobedient every day almost. Here. Somebody cuts me. No hand signals. Amen. But, but I get mad because people don't know how to drive. A little water on the ground, they lose their mind. What the heck? I don't get it. How do they give them licenses? You know, the Philippines has the craziest driving of all time. You go there, it's nuts. We're like inches away from everybody. There's hardly any accidents. But you come here and you got all kinds of room, and they're crashing into you. I just got my car, and, and some guy, same day I got it, he tries to pull in front of me and stop. I'm going down the street. Good thing we have disc brakes, four-wheel drive, disc brakes. Boom! I was able to stop on a dime. But they can't drive. And I got to say, that's the main thing that bugs me today. If I was a cop, I'd be ticketing everybody for being on the phone and all that kind of stuff, too. But that's my weakness, and I know it. But they were supposed to destroy the enemy. They disobeyed a command, and as a result, they sinned before the Lord. Yeah, let's not judge them. What about us? How many times have we been guilty following Satan instead of the Lord? The Word of God tells us what the Lord's will is for our lives, and here it is, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Be separate. Don't be like the world. Don't be like the enemy. Don't be like the rest. Be separated unto me. In a nutshell, that's it. Because if you're separated to God, you're going to follow his will. You're going to be his ambassador. You're going to have the ministry of reconciliation. And that's what we're supposed to do. Reconcile the world to God. That's what we do. But we allow the flesh, the world, and the devil to distract and defeat us. See, if you let them, the devil will mess you up. Even to the point where God cannot bless you anymore or he can't use you anymore. Ask David, a man after God's own heart. He got messed up, and he fell for Bathsheba. For a whole year, this is a guy that worshiped God every day of his life. Every day. That was him. He was a worshiper for a whole year. When God pulled his covers, he did not go into the temple. Or I should say until God pulled his covers. Until somebody confronted him with love. Nathan. You see, he learned from it. A whole year of not being in the temple when he was in sin. He didn't go into the temple. He didn't worship God. He stayed out of the temple. And he was a man that was there every day praying and singing to God. But when Nathan pulled his covers, he went in there and put sackcloth and ashes and he repented. 
And he respected Nathan so much for telling the truth into his life, he named one of his sons Nathan. How do you feel when we confront you about your sin? You run away and you blame us for everything? Or do you take heed and say, you know what, they love my soul? We're accountable for that. Boy, I got quiet in here. Don't worry, I'm not going to pull your covers. Amen. See, if you follow the devil, you might find yourself begging that God would just restore your joy and your life, just like David. In Psalms 51, 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. The enemy is deceptive. He's disrupted. And lastly, the enemy is defeated. The enemy must be confronted. If you don't confront him, he, you can't defeat him. Joshua 9, 27 and that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place where he would choose even to this day. See, when Joshua found out what they had done, he rebuked him, he confronted them about their sin, and then he gave them a role. You're going to work for God. Are you catching this here? See, that's what we do. We get you in your right position where God can use your life. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter who you are, who you hurt, whatever. God wants to restore you. He put them in the house of God. Put them in the house of God. Jesus cannot, I mean, Satan can't stand in the presence of truth. See, when, you, when the devil comes, you've got to confront him with the word of God, and he'll flee. Beware of the frenemy. See, the enemy has to be controlled. Check this out. There was no question that Joshua and Israel made a mistake when they dealt with the Gibeonites, a.k.a. the devil. But mistakes don't have to be permanent. Joshua realized what they had done and took the right steps to control the situation. He got back into control when he repented. And he realized what they had done, and he took the right steps. They couldn't kill him because they made a covenant. Remember that. They given their word, but they could control him. They were put to work in the house of God. They went into the victory home. It's a good time to say amen. When they confronted my sin, that's where I went. I went in the home. See, there's going to be times in our lives where we're going to mess up. We're going to get out of God's will because of sin. That's a fact. Every one of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's me. Be honest, you're not perfect. Amen. Mistakes we make don't have to be permanent. They don't have to destroy us. Thank God the Lord has promised us forgiveness and restoration when we repent. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Face the facts. Sin carries consequences. Our bodies are living proof of that, the stuff we used to do in the past. We need to learn from our sin and failure so we don't fall into the same trap again. Either we will control our sin or our sin will control us. you got to make a decision where you want to stand in that, that phrase. Do you want sin to control your life or do you want to control the sin in your life? Amen? It all depends on one thing, and you might not like it. Do we love our sin more than we love God? 
I can't answer that for you. I can answer it for me. I definitely hate my sin. And it bugs me that I keep getting angry and doing these things with my mind that I shouldn't be doing. But let's be real. It happens to everybody. I don't care how long you've been serving God. If you say you've arrived, you're a liar. You're going to hell because of that. The devil already got you, you prideful man, you. As A.J. makes his way, you can't undo what you've done, but you can bring it to Christ, and God will use it to help you grow. That's what God wants to do. Joshua and Israel thought they were making a treaty with the people from far away, but they found themselves shackled with the Gibeonites. They were shackled. They couldn't get rid of them now because they made an oath. They made a covenant. I think that's happened to some of us. We've made covenants in our past. And we're shackled, man. We're shackled to things that we've done, people we've been with. But God can turn it around. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now. You listen to the flesh or the devil. And now you're a mess. Maybe your mess has even hurt other people. And you want to turn it around. Well, let me tell you, God can turn your failure into something he can use for his glory. Because you, you've been there, you walked through it. Now you can help someone that's going through it now. Because you made it. You made it. There's people out there that we need to bring back. It breaks our hearts, man. They don't even see it. Just like Joshua and the Israelites, they didn't see it. They got too close. See, when you get close, man, you can't see the truth.